Hi, this is Eric Boyce, CEO and Chief Investment Officer for BK Wealth Consulting, and welcome to Market Minutes for November 14th of 2022. Welcome. Hope you had a good week. Uh, listen, we're coming off an incredibly volatile week. Now, it's uh, interesting to note that uh, usually volatility uh, uh, comes in the form of negative uh, headlines. Uh, last week, it came in the form of positive headlines. We had a lower than expected inflation number. Uh, caused a tremendous uh, resurgence uh, in the uh, indices uh, in, in the equity side and also a tremendous move on the fixed income side. We'll talk about that. Uh, and maybe a little bit of the backdrop, uh, leaving uh, uh, some things to talk about next week, uh, certainly as we continue to monitor the aftermath of not only the election, but inflation reports, uh, so on and so forth. And obviously there's uh, some surprises embedded in the election results too. So uh, as we look at the, uh, uh, the market from last week, the S&P was up 5.9%, NASDAQ was up 8.1%, Dow Jones up about 4.2%. Um, you know, the market liked both the uh, inflation number as well as the prospects for a split government. That was I think pretty well baked in. Obviously, you've got a sitting president uh, of one party, uh, and whether or not you know the Republicans won one or both houses of Congress, uh, it was going to be split anyway. Now, obviously, you know the House is more important from an appropriation standpoint, uh, and uh, the Senate is much more uh, important from a, a treaty ratification and appointment uh, ratification standpoint. So. Uh, anyway, so puts and takes there, but uh, it does look like at this point, not to reiterate anything that you've already heard, but uh, the Senate looks like it's going to be retained uh, by the Democrats in the House by a fairly slim uh, majority, uh, perhaps going to the GOP here. So um, stocks soared uh, and had their best week since June uh, following um, the uh, October uh, Consumer Price Index report, the CPI inflation number. Uh, we had gross stocks outperforming value by about 450 basis points. Now, value is outperformed consistently during this interim phase here. And so it was interesting to see that leadership change rather abruptly uh, last week. So we had interest rate sensitive industries that really gained across the board. Um, you know, we had, you know, semiconductors, home builders, real estate investments, uh, investment trusts, software, et cetera. And uh, again, the growth stocks really uh, outperforming. But um, so we're done with the third quarter earnings season. Uh, third quarter earnings grew about four and a half percent, which is uh, uh, ever so slightly above the estimates that which had been lowered quite a bit. Uh, but uh, earnings were down about 3% if you back out energy. So uh, importantly, uh, you know, we also saw earnings estimates fall throughout the earnings season. So, uh, you know, we had uh, some rather tepid guidance, I'd say, you know, talking or listening to management in their, uh, in their reports. So um, in fixed income, we had some pretty uh, stark moves in the fixed income market, as I mentioned. Uh, Two-year treasury yield fell 25 basis points on Thursday, the largest decline that that's seen in one day since 2008 uh, after that uh, inflation report. The 10-year yield hit 3.81, uh, lowest since uh, early in the month, and the dollar 
uh, index, uh, also known as the Dixie, uh, was down about 2%, uh, its worst daily performance since 2015. And so uh, it, I think the market right now is pretty well priced in a half point uh, increase in the uh, uh, in the short-term uh, interest rates in December by the Fed and uh, perhaps another 25 basis points uh, in each of the subsequent two meetings there. And what's interesting is after the inflation report came in, uh, we had a relatively big shift in expectations for the terminal rate in short-term rates. Now, now that had been moved up to like five and a quarter, and now it was back at the end of the week down to around 4.9%. Uh, and uh, so in other news, commodities, uh, crude prices were down uh, despite uh, kind of the risk on attitude in the market. And, uh, and it looks like uh, we've got uh, you know COVID cases up in China, but China's really trying to open up its economy a little bit more. Uh, and then uh, we've got, uh, uh, you know, basically, uh, we've got diesel prices uh, and we've got other uh, gasoline prices that uh, are moving up a little bit. Uh, yeah, other economic news, consumer prices, as we just said, uh, were up. We'll talk about that in, in a second. Uh, we had consumer sentiment uh, slumped uh, in November. And uh, the University of Michigan survey was at 54.7, and that was below the consensus. Uh, so uh, a bit of a move towards that 50% line that represents kind of a contraction, if you will. Um, so uh, let's talk about the, the market itself, you know, kind of where we are. Uh, you know, no sense in going back and, and kind of talking about all of the interesting things that you know, that happened on Thursday, but let's look at the aftermath of all of that. Correlations uh, across the entire market are still really high. Uh, that was a Barron's article. Uh, we're up in the Dow Jones about 17% from the September 30th low. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and if you hit another three percentage points from that, I mean, you could argue that we're in another bull market. I, I, that was another Bloomberg article that uh, that uh, Sandy Leeds talked about, which I thought was really interesting uh, to, to think that, that we could actually be there in a new bull market uh, uh, after what we've been through lately is just uh, outstanding. Uh, so, uh, and uh, just on the earnings side, you know, as we look ahead now that we've got third quarter in the bag, fourth quarter earnings expected to drop you know, slightly about four tenths of a percent year over year. Uh, and back in August, that number was expected to be up 6%. So these earnings uh, have clearly eroded in the face of some demand destruction, uh, cost input, uh, in, in, and other inflation uh, effects. Um, and uh, so, uh, what, interestingly enough, I mean, the, the impact is being felt uh, disproportionately amongst companies that have a lot of international exposure, as you can imagine. Uh, with the, the dollar there, that you've got companies that uh, with 25% or less exposure of sales outside the U.S. Uh, had about 5% earnings growth, while those that had greater than 50% were down uh, about 7.5%. So we still had an increase overall in sales internationally, but um, you know the dollar impacts were, were uh, rather uh, rather uh, important here in this analysis. So estimates uh, in 2023 expected to be somewhat flat to slightly positive uh, and then getting it to about 5% in 2024. Now that's lower than long-term trends, 
but again, it's very much in line with kind of the environment that we're in, the environment that we're likely to be in next year. Uh, you know, it, it, it the, and, and multiples are going to be compressed because of higher inflation, although inflation is expected to come down. Uh, but, you know, but these growth rates are not going to reaccelerate uh, for a while. But, you know, but this time next year, I'm absolutely confident that we're going to have a lot more visibility to that next market up cycle. And uh, depending on how things play out, depending on if the Fed continues its current pace of increases, uh, you know, we could get there a little bit sooner. Uh, now, the I actually heard uh, from, uh, you know, one of the Fed governors was speaking uh, today and, uh, yeah, and, and actually this is kind of an offset because one was speaking almost in favor of maybe getting to a pause or a slower rate of growth faster, whereas another one said that there's a risk of not going fast enough. And so we're beginning to see this bifurcation of uh, attitude on the part of the Fed. Um, so, um, you know, but that's, that is causing a lot of ambiguity, a lot of anxiety in some respects, adding to volatility in the market. Uh, we have seen uh, consensus estimates, you know, as I mentioned, drop for 2023. Uh, and so, you know, we'll have to see how this evolves over the coming weeks, uh, at least for, for Q4, uh, and see if we're going to get any of these pre-announcements. Um, now, we do have some interesting things here. Uh, let's talk about, you know, in the arguments for low inflation. Uh, the uh, New York Fed's underlying inflation rate is actually turned down. So, and core CPI usually follows that at some point. And we've got ISM, the Institute for Supply Management, prices paid for manufacturing was down below 50. So, prices are going down in the production channel here. Um, We've got CEOs that are talking about lower input prices. This is all from Sandy's uh, comments, uh, compilated from an article uh, in Bloomberg. Uh, we've got CEOs also saying that the labor market is not as tight uh, and the base effect of commodities is starting to be less bad. Uh, and uh, so, you know, you've got those influences on inflation, which are, I would say, you know, positive net net, uh, but, you know, you've got, uh, uh, you know, but you've got, you know, on the flip side, you've got increased consumer inflation expectations, which have recently increased in both the short and long run. Again, not too much. Uh, and they were already pretty low to start with, but, you know, but they are moving up uh, a little bit higher. So, um, you know, uh, and, and uh, then we still do have, uh, you know, higher overall inflation, although core CPI, you know, if you back out, food and energy was up 6.3% year over year. Uh, you know, that turned out to be, you know, about three-tenths of a percent month over month. And that was about 40% lower than expected. So if you look at three-month annualized inflation, it's about 58 So we do see wage growth beginning to get closer to what that core number looks like. And so we've talked about negative wages uh, negative real incomes in the wake of higher inflation. But if you've got inflation coming down, uh, you get to a better spot faster, meaning that, um, you know, if you sustain high inflation and low wage growth, low real wage growth, at some point that catches up to you in an economy where 66 to 70% is based on consumer spending uh, and consumption. 
And uh, so, you know, at some point that catches up to you, and that's obviously a headwind for the economy. But if you have inflation coming down and you have real wages uh, moving a little bit higher, that's actually relatively, uh, relatively decent. That's certainly a better environment that you'd uh, that you'd want otherwise. Um, but shelter costs are still pretty high. They're up eight tenths of a percent month over month, which is the most since 1990. Uh, and um, I would think that not only do you have, excuse me, have shelter uh, that is, and again, a lot of shelter is rents, a lot of it's hospitality, but, um, but, but if you talk about like rents, you know, obviously home prices are beginning to roll over a bit uh, and uh, rents usually follow by, by the, anywhere between a six to 12 month lag. So I assume that uh, shelter as a component of the uh, of, of the inflation number, which was up a lot, obviously in the last uh, data point, I think that is going to get lower uh, sooner. We already see uh, some um, uh, some uh, drop in in some of the food components, uh, although energy uh, remains high uh, on a relative basis, but. Um, important releases coming up this week that we should pay attention to. We have the producer price index, so the PPI, uh, and the core. Now, those are expected to be up four-tenths of a percent. That's not a huge surprise. Uh, we'll get the Empire State Manufacturing Survey, which, which is manufacturing in the New York Fed region. Uh, that's expected to be, be down. We, we knew that that was coming. We get retail sales. Expected to be slightly positive, uh, and then import and export prices uh, both expected to fall due to global trade contraction here. And then we've got um, uh, an industrial production and cap, cap, uh, capacity utilization, uh, really ex capacity utilization kind of holding in line, but production up very, very, very slightly. Now that's a number that could surprise on the downside, but we've got inventories that are expected to be up. Uh, and then we get our weekly initial claims and then we get housing starts again, relatively tepid. Uh, you know, we know what the market looks like days on inventory, not necessarily what they were, but they're a lot, lot higher than they were uh, just several uh, months ago. Uh, and then uh, the existing home sales number again, you know, all the housing data looking a little weak. Uh, and, uh, and then finally, well, I guess not finally, but on Thursday, we will get the Philly Fed survey. So like the Empire State Manufacturing Survey, we'll get the Philly Fed survey. Again, that's also expected uh, to be down. So um, that's really what we're looking at this week. Let's see if there's anything else in the liner notes here. Um, and we talked about uh, real estate, uh, National Association of Realtors showed the median income needed to buy a typical US home was at $88,300 in the third quarter, nearly $40,000 higher than pre-pandemic levels. So we're talking about you know, housing affordability being challenged. Well, there's a, there's a data point right there. Uh, monthly mortgage payments on existing single family home uh, with 20% down total $1,840, which is up 50% year over year. Uh, that's, another, that's another item that really caught my attention. Um, so, uh, and then there's other data here on, on housing, which is probably less impactful, but clearly the housing market has further to go uh, on, uh, you know, in terms of it's being able to, you know, help our, uh, help our economy. 
Uh, production is slightly positive to kind of flattish. Uh, we know that infl inflation on the service sector is, remains relatively high, even though it looks like we're getting some uh, relief on the, uh, on the uh, good side. But uh, inflation, uh, you know, I, I think I would caution against kind of celebrating a single data point because we have a long way to go in this journey. Uh, we will obviously get a, an inflation number uh, at the beginning of next month. And uh, I think a lot will be writing on that. I, obviously, a lot will be writing on the read-through on retail sales during the holiday season. Uh, and the pace of, of real incomes, real wages, that'll also be really important uh, to watch because uh, we are getting some prominent layoff announcements by large tech firms that have been besieged in the market as of late, although growth was really strong uh, uh, last week. But, you know, to the extent that the layoffs become kind of pervasive and, uh, and whatnot, it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that, you know, when you have more layoffs, more unemployment, uh, even though the job markets are strong now, they're apt to, to weaken a little bit and you, you get overall less spending. Uh, and then you, uh, you know, obviously the Fed is doing a lot on the demand side. Uh, to curb demand. And so, you know, I guess there's a long-winded way of saying that, you know, all of these mechanisms tend to uh, enter, they're, they're interrelated. And I think where it's leading us, if the Fed doesn't decide to stop uh, and, and there's commitment to following this through, you know, we will have some demand destruction, but it gets us to the next cycle uh, sooner. Uh, and, and I think ultimately that's best from a stock market standpoint, uh, we've seen a lot of the damage in the market. I think, you know, again, we're going to have more volatility. I think we're going to have days that the market's up 2%, 3%, and it's down 2 to 3%. So I think the vision should be on the long term, uh, not on the here and now. Uh, and uh, so obviously that's how we're aligned in our own thinking. Uh, the other thing, and then the last point I'll make on inflation, uh, because that's really the bugaboo here. I mean, the, the pace of inflation is kind of the key to, <coughs> excuse me, the, the stock markets and everything else. But, you know, money supply growth has, has slowed to an absolute trickle. Uh, and, and so we don't have stimulus payments anymore. You know, we've got the, the Fed that's actually taking money away. They're pulling money out of the, or they're basically pulling the punch bowl away. And so money growth is really stalled out. And that is the essence. And that is the feedstock for inflation. Uh, it's more important than anything else that happens in this economy. And so with that being so low, I think it's just a matter of time before all of these you know, mechanics kind of play out with interest rates uh, and, uh, and growth, et cetera. Uh, so we, we see you know, money supply go down. Uh, obviously, that's, that is going to curb demand. That's going to curb inflation. Eventually, it's going to stall the rate of gain in interest rates, which will then invigorate uh, the interest in risk assets, i.e. equities. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and I think that kind of takes place over the next six to nine months. So uh, we'll continue to monitor things. That, that's all for today. Hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.